will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Welcome to Leverage Addicts, the podcast for investors looking to maximize returns through leverage. Join host, seasoned mortgage professional and real estate enthusiast, Blandon Lerm, as we explore property investing strategies and learn how to navigate the market to build new wealth. Welcome to another episode of Leverage Addict Podcast, where we dive into property investing strategies here in New Zealand. I'm your host, Blandon, and joining me today is Simon McDonald, one of our advisors who are super awesome. You've probably seen him in a couple of episodes. He shared his investing journey. And today we're actually unpacking a hot topic, the potential introduction of debt to income ratio restriction that is looking to be implemented by the Reserve Bank of New Zealand and its implication on lending strategies and the property market at large. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right, Blandon. The, the Reserve Bank is proposing to introduce TTIs. It looked like earlier they were going to do it and they were testing the market and they pulled back a little bit. Some of the banks looked like they were going to jump the gun and introduce it, but not all of them. The restrictions are essentially for the financial stability measures. And it's just another lever along with the LVR measures to target financial stability risk more efficiently. It's a game changer effectively for banks, investors and homeowners alike. Precisely. And with proposed settings allowing banks to lend at a certain percentage of the residential loans to the own occupier or the investors with, you know, like if there's a DTI greater than a specific threshold, that's going to actually change the lending landscape, right? And there's actually quite a bit to unpack because it does affect potentially if you're an investor, maybe the strategies you look at would be slightly different. Maybe you're planning to buy a home that would change the way you think about it. And also there might be playing devil's advocate here. Like, does it actually (laughs) affect you all that much? So let's talk about that. And I thought maybe we could start off with talking about what are the problems we're trying to solve here? Why is it even on RBNZ's radar to have this restriction? What are your thoughts on that, Simon? My initial thoughts, especially with the current environment, is that it's Another lever that they can pull and be a little bit more specific in how they control economic outcomes. Ultimately, you know, LVR is quite a blunt tool. And so what they're adding in there with DTI is a little bit more sophistication in how they apply these measures into the market. Yeah, that's right. And I wanted to maybe just show you guys this graph on my screen and I'm just going to pull it up here. So if you guys see this graph, this is basically talking about higher debt to income, new commitment values by borrower types. So you can see during COVID 2020, that's when we lower the LVR restriction. We lower the interest rate to a all-time low. And as you can see, there were other, so you can see the orange and the green line. These are sort of investors, right? You can see the green line. There were a whole bunch of people, a whole lot of investors getting into it. And then even the own occupier using their house as a collateral to buy more investment properties. And then, you know, you can see late 2021, this was... This was when everyone's buying like $3 million home from our end. And then suddenly you see a massive drop. So in short, just want to give you an interpretation of what's happening here. We've already eased off high DTI lending. And so, you know, if RBNZ decides to put in this DTI ratio, they're already too late in a podcast. No, seriously, let's start with the fundamentals, right? Why is it critical for banks and borrowers to consider this, uh, Simon? Ultimately, it, it comes down to if we're playing around with interest rates that are very, very low. And I think ultimately we're in the Western world, we've kind of backed ourselves in the corner where we kind of have to, it's the only game to play now and to keep things ticking along 
want, we have to inevitably pull that lever with interest rates and with the Reserve Bank at CRCR. The closer you get down to that threshold, the higher the debts to income comes into play. So as I said previously, it's a, it's a more uh, specific tool that allows them to control some of the risks in the, in the economy. Ultimately, you know, what is DTI? DTI is the, the debt to income ratio. And if they, whatever they come up with, whether it be a five to one, six to one, seven to one ratio, whatever it is, I suspect what will happen is they'll, they'll start high and then maybe creep it down. But ultimately what it means is that they'll impose on the banks their amount of borrowing for their book to be within a threshold. And they won't be able to lend if that debt to income is above that. I guess this is maybe a backup plan because right now, them implementing the DTI is not actually going to affect the market too much because I was just like playing around with the calculator yesterday. If you look at how the borrowing works right now, potentially you're only going to borrow like four to five times your income anyway, right? And so, you know, putting the DTI because what they're proposing is like for own occupier, it's going to be six times for investors going to be seven times. So by putting that in place, you know, based on the borrowing, the test rate and the interest rate that we're on, it's hard for people to go actually go over that level. But what it does give us is, you know, they already made the mistake. And the mistake is like when they lower the interest rate and then lower the LVR, lower the test rates, all of those things, when they were all put in place, we were at way above four or five times, six, seven, eight, nine times income, right? We had clients building a significant portfolio during those years, really taking advantage of those LVR levels. And they definitely see those people struggling. If they fix for one or two years, they're in a situation where their LVR is not going to save them because they're already maxed out. Cash flow is not going to save them. It's very tough. And some situation where even seeing people having to sell and just reconsider, like, you know, just make the adult decision. You know, we bought this slightly overpriced at 2% interest rate. Now seven, just can't afford it. So I think that is what we're trying to do here. Pretty much try to minimize the risk of being in that situation again. So with these changes, it's going to obviously affect home buyers. How do you think that is going to change the strategy in terms of buying their first home, Simon? Ultimately, it comes down to needing to seek that advice because it's specific for each individual. Initially, I don't think it's going to be a hard and fast approach. In our industry, a lot of probably our listeners are thinking pretty much from the perspective of property, property investment, that kind of thing. Property investment is a business and this is probably the biggest, you know, the biggest businesses that we have in our listeners is property ownership. But the Reserve Bank has a bigger mandate than that. It's the, the economy. So it's actually more less to do with just property investment. Property investment is a big part of the economy, but it's stability in the overall market that's probably going to be front of mind for the Reserve Bank. But in terms of home, home buyers, I don't think there's going to be major implications initially. They shouldn't be terribly worried. What I would more focus on as homeowners or people entering the market specifically is that timing-wise, if you have capacity to do so now, it's, it's a brilliant time. You know, We're already seeing an uptick. I think it was officially May 2023 we saw the bottoming of the market and then we're really starting to see like a real uptick, 1% increases in house prices across the country for at least three months now so so what you're sort of suggesting is like maybe this dti thing is more like smoke and mirror you know getting some people to think differently but i don't think it's gonna affect them as much as what the property market is already doing as like the prices are potentially going up and test rate might come down slightly but it's still not gonna go over that threshold of six or seven what i specifically think is that dti was introduced during a time where people were panicking about the 
economy in one perspective. Now it's the opposite perspective. Now it's like, no, 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 we need to ease. We need to ease because of we're at the bottom, you know, and, and people are struggling. So it's not going to be until we start to see extremes again, do DTI really, do, do the Reserve Bank really start to pull that lever on DTI? Yeah, I really don't. Like, I mean, just looking at the calculation, I just don't feel it's going to actually add too much value right now, but it does give us a bit more. It's a backup plan for the future. Gives the anything. Reserve Bank an extra tool in their toolbox. And that's what I think they've done as legislatively. They've allowed that tool to be in place so that in the future when they need it, they've got it there. Broadly speaking, how do these regulatory adjustments impact the real estate market? Like, you know, we're talking about the borrowers, but how do you think that's going to adjust? How do you think that's going to change the market and the prices? Not much. The tune is, is continuing here. I think, you know, sentiment is a big thing as well. So people hear DTI and they're like, oh, what does that mean? And oh gosh, is this going to affect things? But then when they start to, you know, listen to a podcast or two like ours, they'll start to realize maybe it's not as big of an impact as that is going to be. And and I think there's a trend here, you know, with the change, the change of government and, and they're relaxing and certain policies in tune with what's happening with the market. There is a, a turnaround here and the sentiment is changing. The momentum is already taking place. So, like I say, I don't think it's going to be major. Yeah. And <laughs> I guess the younger version of me in the industry would think, I'll be proud of being able to get a client nine times or 10 times income. But like maturing and being an investor myself is like, there's nothing to boast about that. It means that your portfolio is probably over leveraged with not enough cash flow. <laughs> like, there's nothing to boast. And I think six and seven times is like pretty good. It's like you can get a lot. You can build a decent uh, portfolio on that. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't see massive effect. But again, I do think it is a good direction because it sets us up for the future. And with these shifts on the horizon, right, I think it's definitely going to be a slightly different, it's more of a different environment for investors. How do you think they can adapt to these strategies? Well, you brought up before the differences that there may be in place when this gets enacted for homeowners and then investors. So the devil is in the detail. But what I would say is that what we do differently to others in the market, well, what we stand out in different is we focus essentially on building sustainability in, in portfolios. We focus more on yields. We focus on future potential. And so there may be others in the market that focus on you know new builds or, or something like this. I won't go into any more detail than that. But, <laughs> but, but I think we're placed quite well to feel confident in the advice we're providing to our, our clients that these aren't going to effectively affect them and their decisions. I agree. And if we think about what we try to, I guess, educate our clients on is, like you said, sustainability on a portfolio. And because if this DTI is in place, it forces you to go, you know what, if you hit above that threshold, you start to notice it and you go, okay, actually my, my cash flow position is not high enough, right? It really gets you to think about, you know, think twice before you get that negative cash flow property, right? And I think maybe in the short term, just because there will be a portion of the market that's unaware of this thing, DTI, and how it's going to affect them. But they would just go, oh, like it's going to make it harder. Maybe we need to look for higher cash flow. That might drive them more towards like the regional for more cash flow. So it is a potential positive for the investors that are already investing in cash flow, I believe. I agree. 
So are there other discussion points that we have not gone over about this DTI, Simon? Do you feel that we need to maybe just let the audience know? Yeah, no, I think hopefully this podcast has provided a little bit of uh, people may be worried. I don't think it's going to be something that needs to be worried about, that working with a skilled financial advisor, understanding how these work and what it means is going to put you in a position to be able to take action confidently. So in short, the RBNZ, about three years too late to implement this. <laughs> but the next time we're in the same situation where, where we you know, lower everything, interest rates and LVR and everything, hopefully this is going to be a good backstop for some of the people that have over leveraged in the last couple of years for the future people that might walk the same path. So all in all, I think it's a positive thing and it's a enlightening discussion with you, Simon. I'm glad that we agreed on how a lot of points. Hopefully next time we can find a topic where we disagree on more. <laughs> yeah, so there are some positives there, and but majority, we don't think it's going to change too much. So thank you for shedding the lights on that. My pleasure. Well, last thing I'll say is effectively, it's, it's crucial for everyone in the market to stay informed about these changes. They not only affect lending practices, but also influence the broader economics landscape and individual financial decisions need to be made with uh, professionals. So seek that free professional advice. Yep. And if you guys are you know, looking to buy this year, Simon's the guy. <laughs> Happy to. Thank you. And if you guys listen to this point, I only ask for one thing and if you found value, that is just to share this podcast with one person that you think is going to benefit from it. I appreciate your time. And until next time, we'll talk again. Cheers.